Welcome to Career Tools. This week, Career Failures, Chapter 3, Career Crisis Response, Part 1. Here we go. Okay, Wendy, we've talked a lot about how to have a good career and prepare and how to handle transitions and all those kinds of things. But the fact is, some people get in a situation where they're suddenly laid off, they suddenly get fired, something bad happens, professionally or personally, whatever, and they have no savings, they have no network, and they suddenly realize that they are the grasshopper in the ant and grasshopper fable. The ant spent all summer preparing for the winter, the grasshopper whiled away his time, and then winter comes, and the grasshopper says, you have to take me in, you know, and the ant says, no, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, and those people who it's happened to, it's it's scary. Hopefully, you don't need this, but we're assuming if you've prepared, good, and this this cast is for you to be able to tell your friends, here's what to do, go to this cast, or off the top of my head, here's what career tools said to do if it happens before you're ready right you could yeah. you could start have started saving and a month ago when you had that cast and you've only got a month in yeah a, a month in um in hand and now you've been laid off so you could still be doing the right things but it happens exactly. before you're ready so let's tell them what to do when you're in a career crisis an emergency what are the steps okay so we're going to start a job search immediately uh, we're going to talk about updating your resume, contacting the network that you have, and looking for jobs with immediate starts. We're going to adjust adjust your finances, which is cutting expenses and increasing income. And then we're going to talk about considering all the options. Okay, good. So we recommend starting a job search immediately. That's hard for people to hear, of course, because they're hurt and they're scared. Um, and yet we found over and over again that the best tonic, the best response to fear is action, Mm -hmm. right? Fear makes us uh, less likely to try things. We're fearful of what happened to us and what will happen to us. We know the only way out is action, but we get paralyzed. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to do something and make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. And the most useless person in a crisis is the person who panics, runs around screaming and doesn't do anything. (laughs) Don't be chicken little. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, as I've said many times, I think, on the cast, manager tools and career tools, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And as Teddy Roosevelt said, do what you can with what you have, where you are right now. So how do we do that? How do we start a job search immediately? So you've just been fired. You get in the car, and if you're hands-free, you can start making calls on your way home to people that might be helpful or to your family or to, to anybody that you think might be able to help. You can think, okay, tonight I was planning to go I don't know, to the theater or I was planning to do something with the kids or whatever. You can immediately forego whatever that activity was in order to work on your resume. You don't need to start like on the way home, think, what am I going to do for the next six months? Because you cannot predict what's going to happen in the next six months, but you can think, what can I do right now? It's a bit like um, getting things done, you know, which context am I in? What things do I have available and what can I do right now? Yeah, there's a a great uh, graduation speech, I think from 2014 of, I think the former commander of the Navy's SEALs, the U.S. Navy SEALs, an admiral gave a, gave a graduation speech at the University of Texas in Austin, and the entire speech was about getting up and making your bed every morning because you start off the day accomplishing something. 
mm-hmm. and feeling the joy of accomplishment. And then he talked for quite a while, and at the end he said, and by the way, even if you have a bad day, at the end of the day, you'll come home to a made bed. And my point of that is that do something. Um, you can do something. Don't sit down and start planning. Many of you, if you're a high C or high S, you're more of a reserve person. You're more of a planner. You're going to sit down and you're going to sketch out all the ideas. And you are going to feel a sense of accomplishment. Okay? You don't need a six-month plan. If you, have, if you don't have money saved up, and we have a cast for that, about having six months worth of your income saved up, and you're like most people, you're going to run out of cash pretty quickly. Uh, and borrowing from people won't solve the problem. That doesn't solve the problem. So don't fall into the trap of believing that planning, it feels good. You actually get to do something. And, of course, the great thing about planning for many of you is there's no risk. You don't run the risk of somebody telling you no and having a chance for more bad news. Planning is uh, individual. It doesn't require any risk. Um, you can think, you can feel like you're coming up with some good ideas and so on, but it doesn't get you anywhere. We're not saying we don't want you to come up with a plan. We're saying the first thing you should do is start your job search, start making calls, start uh, send emails. Hopefully you'll have printed out information, but if you don't, all you've got probably is your spouse's. You know, if you got fired, if you got laid off, you may not even have your work cell phone. And you may have to do some web searches to find people or hopefully uh, your spouse has some information in his or her cell phone. But don't sit down to plan. The first day or two or three, you want to take action. Not planning, but action. Even if you're wrong, you can always go back to the people who you're most likely to call quickly and say, you know what, I regret having called you without having my resume updated. Let's do that again. Here's my resume. I want another opportunity. I want you to reach out for me. Take action immediately. One of those things is updating your resume. Yeah. And but if you haven't seen this coming, we'll bet that you don't have an up-to-date resume. And you probably don't even have the latest part of your career documented in your career management document. So you can't even pull a resume from that. And the one thing that we see a lot when we see resumes of people that have had a sudden break with their job for whatever reason is that they have this beautiful resume all the way up to the penultimate job and then the the last one you can tell they did it in a hurry because right. it's not as well written or the grammar's off or the or the the text is off so even though you're in a hurry it's actually better to start from scratch than update an old one because then you don't have any formatting things on there you don't have um any kind of leftover things that you know word saves that you know you suddenly do that and oh the word's bold or this like sometimes i see like a word in a different font in the middle of a sentence which is just off-putting so start from scratch and it will take you longer but it'll be better in the long run and people make mistakes on all sorts of things when they're stressed and worried literally i have seen people do make mistakes with their name their address and their phone number which is just mind-boggling. How can you mistype your own name? But people do. (laughs) And not even see the error, right, before you check it. I I have not seen that. We don't often talk about our services, and we undersell our services a great deal because we're primarily a consulting firm. But that said, we do sell a resume workbook that I think, what is it? Is it $29.95? 
Yeah. Yeah. You can get it on our website and it will walk you through in enormous detail exactly what to do and how to do it. It'll give you an hour long, I think it's an hour long video, Wendy, explaining everything you need to do. Uh, And if you're in that career crisis and you want to send us a note and say, I just got fired, I just got laid off, would you be willing to offer me the resume workbook for free for now with my word that I'll pay for it once I get employed? We'll do that for you. We will. Now, if you have plenty of money, but you're still in a little bit of a panic, we'd ask that you pay for it. But rest assured, if you're not comfortable doing a resume, or if you think you should have a three-page resume, or if you believe that resume is all about marketing rather than about truth, and if you think it's all about white space, you don't know what you're doing, you're already panicked, it's far better to have some guidance. So we recommend it. Indeed. So if you want the short version, begin by doing typing your name, your address, and your contact details onto the page, and then add your dates of employment, companies, and job titles. Because they're factual, it's easy data to put onto the piece of paper, and it starts to you know calm you down. You've got a backbone. It's not a blank piece of paper, and it's all facts, so it's easy. There's no emotion in it. And then the next thing you do is write the responsibilities. So underneath each of those administration details, you write a paragraph that says, in this job, this person was expected to do this. Not in the third person, but, um, you know, if you were a sandwich maker, I was required to make 50 sandwiches a day. They all had to be square and the crust cut off. Um, That kind of thing. And then finally get to the accomplishments. And because you've been thinking about your career now for probably half an hour, 20, maybe an hour, the accomplishments will come more easily. And you're looking for things that begin with a verb and then have a quantifier. So if you're the sandwich maker, achieved 100% of sandwich making deadlines every day or every shift, Mm -hmm. something like that. And then normally we would recommend that you put the resume in a drawer and you leave it for a couple of days and then you come back to it because it's easier to spot mistakes and make changes and see places where it can be improved. But you don't have time to do that. So just get someone to check it. And when you give it to them, tell them just check the grammar and the spelling because they'll try and give you advice about the format and you don't want to be changing the format. Right. And probably they don't know what they're talking about and they'll just confuse you. So just do the grammar and the spelling and then decide, right, I'm done. That's my resume is ready. And it should take you no more than, I don't know, two and a half hours at the longest, I would think. Yeah. And I would actually say that you make as many phone calls as you can before you start working on your resume. No one will mind if you say, I'm going to update my resume tonight before I go to bed. And so we talk about the resume here, and we're going to talk about network in just a minute. But what I would recommend is if it's two or three o'clock in the afternoon, you make as many phone calls and many outreach as you can, and then work on this for a couple of hours before you go to bed, and then check it in the morning. After nine o'clock at night, nobody's going to read your resume. They're going to wait until the next morning to do it. That gives you plenty of time to do as much as you possibly can, because a, a perfect resume that you spend all day on is worthless if you don't start contacting people who may want to see mm-hmm. it. So you start with the outreach, then you do the resume at the end of that day. Before you go to sleep, you finish your resume. Look at it fresh in the morning because the time between when you go to sleep and when you get up the next morning, there's no value in getting the resume to someone that much earlier. 
no one will mind the kind of people that you're contacting. And now you get a fresh look at it. You could send it to a few people as well for grammar and spelling sort of stuff, but not format as Wendy says. And that way, in the first day that you've had your crisis unfold, you've reached out to people and you've got your resume updated. And we're not saying your resume will be perfect, but it'll be better than the bad one you had. And we don't see that many perfect resumes anyway. We want it to be within 95% of perfect, and that's probably good enough. Please don't anyone write to me and say, are you suggesting it's okay to send out resumes with errors? No, of course not. 95% of perfect, I mean, there might be something you left off that would have helped you, okay? Or you might have rewritten a particular uh, accomplishment in a way that was more persuasive. I'm not talking about 95% accurate. We, we expect 100% accuracy, no mistakes. Okay. All right. Now we got to talk about people's network. Yeah. And the assumption behind this cast was that you would have no savings and no network. But really, unless you've just laid yourself off from a sole proprietorship, in which case you probably should have seen it coming, you have at least one other person you work with. Yeah. I, what I would say to that, though, is this. You're right. No one has no network. But many, many people I talk to talk about not having a network. And this is a function of perception, guys, where you think of, well, stupid example, but me. Oh, Horseman meets all people all the time. He's getting emails constantly from all kinds of people. He's had clients for 25 years. He has a fabulous network, right? Okay, I do. I've got a lot of people in my Rolodex, if you will. Uh, a lot of people are connected with me on LinkedIn and so on. But the point is, you're comparing yourself because you're not a networker, which, by the way, I'm not either. You think of a person with a network as being somebody who has a particularly interesting job that puts them in contact with a lot of other people outside of the organization. That's not what a network is. A network is just the number of people you know whom you can contact. And ideally, and, and then the one step further than that is people whom you can ask for help regarding a career search. You may have two, you may have five, you may have 10, but don't tell yourself you have none because you do. You don't have mine, but that's not the standard of network. The standard of network is people you can call and you have those people. It only takes one person. You only have to find the right person. Yeah. You, you don't need hundreds. So we're going to brainstorm all of the people you know. So you want to start with a blank piece of paper and use a pen. Don't type this because there's something about writing in your brain that makes it easier to brainstorm. So we're not going to time it probably, but try and go fast because I know faster seems to work better too. And you're going to write down the name of everybody you know. You're not going to choose oh this person might be able to help me and this person won't so i won't be able to i won't write their name down if you know them write their name down there's no discrimination it's just write their name down so we had some lists some thoughts to start you off so anyone you worked with in the company you were just laid off from who you know who has good contacts or anyone you feel like you can talk to anyone you've worked with in previous roles anyone who's connected you to you through your family Friends you have through a hobby, friends you have through church, parents of your children's friends, the guy in the local grocery store that you see once a week. Really, it can be that random. If the person would recognize you, then write their name down. The problem that everybody has is they're looking for the one person who can get them a job. They're looking for the rifle shot approach. I just need one. But guys, the way you get to one 
is you have many to start with. You have a very wide, broad funnel at the top, and then you go through a process and you end up accepting only one offer. Okay, And what you do when you start looking at this list, you're like, well, yeah, I know that person, but I, but I don't really know them well. And you, you start the process of eliminating people from the possible list. This is just a possible list. Write them down, even if the chances are one in a hundred. Maybe you even call some of the one in a hundred chances people first just to get comfortable with what you're going to say to the people who are more likely. But I'll tell you guys, I've done this myself, and I'm not an unsure, not an uncertain, not an unconfident person. And I am telling you now, I still tell myself when I got fired from my job years ago, okay, who can I call? Well, not him or not her or not, you know, not this or not that. I, I was like, whoa, you know, I'm talking myself out of everybody. And my guess is most of the people that I've talked to in these situations, that's what they do because they're in a, they're in a down mood because they're depressed and because they're emotionally hurt and embarrassed and shamed guys it's normal if you feel ashamed don't compound that by saying everybody else who gets in this situation just handles it just fine i'll never forget listening to jamie diamond a guy i know talking about his getting fired for uh, by by sandy weil at, at travelers uh, at city years ago and he said sandy called him up to his office and says hey uh, he says i got fired one day uh, you know, I, I was doing a bunch of stuff wrong, and I knew it, and Sandy called me in one day and said, I'd like your resignation. Of course, that's how executives get fired, right? They get asked for the resignation. And he said, I was totally bummed out. It really hurt me. And this is a guy who's probably worth, at that point, $10, 15000000 million, never had to work ever again for the rest of his life. And he got depressed too, guys. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed that he had done some things that in his dark night of the soul at 3 a.m., he knew probably weren't helpful to his career. And he had his comeuppance. And he responded the same way that you did. Yeah, his search probably went better than yours or mine. But he felt that way. Don't compound your shame by feeling ashamed of being ashamed. Right? Don't say to yourself, oh, everybody else handles this fine, but, I, but you know, I'm not. This is bad, and oh, gosh, it's, it's getting worse. Don't do that. When you feel yourself starting doing that, take action. Pick up the phone and call somebody. I, I got to tell you, to some degree, find somebody who's a good friend, whether they can help you or not, and say, dude, you're going to be my search buddy. When I'm in a bad mood, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you, and I'm going to tell you, and you're going to talk me out of it, and you're going to slap me around a little bit and say, it's going to be fine. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of you that won't be willing to do this stuff because you're going to be ashamed. You're not going to want to tell people. I, I think I told the story once on a cast several years ago about somebody who hadn't told their wife that they'd gotten fired for a couple of weeks, right? They yeah. going to work in the morning. And, and this was in a small town. This was in Fredericksburg, Texas, where I, I couldn't believe that. They could get away with that. No, right. <laughs> that everybody wasn't talking to her about it because everybody knew. And I was having, I think it was, no, it was like the third or fourth day, maybe a week later. And he'd called me because he knew that I'd gotten fired before. And the first thing I said was, Robert, have you told your wife? He said, no. I'm like, this lunch is over. I'm not talking to you. If you're not willing to talk to her before the end of the day, then I don't want to talk to you until you do. And to his credit, he did, and he's in great shape now. But I'm not going to tell you not to be ashamed because there's nothing I can do about that. You're going to feel that. Don't compound that by letting that shame cause you to not take action, okay? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in spite of your fear 
in spite of your shame, just take some action. Write down names and be aggressive with the names. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many people tell you no. I'm trying to remember my friend Francois from uh, Octo Technologies in Paris says there is a French phrase which distinctly means you already have the no. If you don't ask somebody, by definition, you get a no. No, right. So everybody you don't ask, you're going to get a no from. And that doesn't help you. And it'll only make it worse. There's a paragraph in, um, or it used to be in in the version I had of um, the book about parachute. Uh, What color is your parachute? Yeah, exactly. Richard Bowles. And it says, it has, it's it's a paragraph of capital no's like six lines of just, you know, 10 no's on each line. And the, the last line is like five no's and a yes. He says you have to get past all those no's before you get to the yes. Well, yeah, I, I've told people before that when I was in Procter & Gamble in sales training, they made a stand. We had a group of, I want to say there's about 20 people in our in our sales class. Lasted, I want to say, a week in Cincinnati and my very first couple of months on the job there. And uh, they made a stand in the middle of the room. And everybody else in the class yelled no at us. And the point of it was, everybody had to do it, but they told us what the point of it was. You're going to go into the middle. You're going to be told no in a loud, aggressive voice by a lot of people whom you respect. And you're going to discover that you walk out of it just the same person you walked into it as. Right? It's true. Yeah. So, guys, don't worry about the no's. Worry about the not asks. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm sorry I took us on that tangent. <laughs> oh, it was a good tangent. So um, you've got this huge long list. Hopefully it has, you know, 40, 50 people on it. Don't start with a small number. Don't think, oh, I'll get to 10 or I'll get to 15. Think of a big number. Think I'll get to 100 or I'll get to 150 because you tell your brain what the limit is. So if you tell, if you say I'm just looking for 10, your brain will tell you 10. 10 exactly. If you tell it, find me a hundred, it'll find you a hundred. The brain follows your instructions amazingly. Um, And then mark the 10 you think are most likely to be able to help you. It's kind of prioritization and call them. Or as Mark said, call the 10 that are least likely to be able to help you and warm yourself up and then call the 10 most likely. But look, don't spend the first day just making the list and say, I need to refine this list tomorrow. That is your dark side telling you, you don't want to be told no again. Being fired is being told no, we don't want you. You don't want to run the risk of getting your feelings hurt again. So if we stay alone and just plan and come up with a perfect plan, it'll be fine. A perfect plan is worth nothing. Action is what gets you the results you want. So we're all for planning. Just take some action. So I think one of the things we want to tell them is within 12 hours, Mm-hmm. You've got to have made the calls. You've got to have reached out. You've got to have started the process. And we're going to tell you now, you're going to be told no by everybody. Oh, some people will ask you to, to see your resume, and that'll make you feel a little bit better, even though you know that that probably doesn't mean that much. And you'll discover that at the end of the day, you're still fine. Yeah, you're worried. And yeah, you're ashamed. And yeah, it's hard. And it'll get better every day. Oh, well. And act on the information they give you immediately because that will encourage people to give you more information. There's nothing worse than when we give people guidance and then they come back to us later and go, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do it or, you know, the moment passed or whatever. And we're like, Whoa. so act on it so that you show the value of what people are helping you with. So then after you've talked to the first 10 people, then email everybody else in the list that you have an email for. Because obviously talking on the phone takes a while and you want to get to the list quickly. So you 
phone the most valuable people and then you email everybody else. So, and you can be completely straightforward. And this is what people don't want to do because of the whole shame oh, thing. This is the shame thing. But, you know, people aren't going to get it unless you tell them this is a crisis and I need your help. So yep. be straightforward. So I, something like, I know I haven't been in touch, but my family is having a crisis. I've been laid off and we don't have a cushion. I've attached my resume. If you can help with contacts, suggestions or opportunities, I'd really appreciate it. Here's what some of you are thinking. Oh, God, that I, I don't want that day to come. Right. Um, those of you who are not in that situation, if you're in this situation, and you're hesitating to send that note. You're listening to this for the first time. Maybe you've never heard from us before. I know you're thinking, God, I, I couldn't I couldn't write that. I, I'm already embarrassed enough. You have our word that when you write that note, any shame you feel, the response you'll get from the people who care about you is gutsy call. Very, very impressed that you admitted, you know, I failed. I made a mistake. Uh, think about the people who you see in public life who don't really apologize for the mistakes. They just basically say, yeah, I'm sorry, but here were all the reasons why and it wasn't my fault. You don't believe them. But the person who says, I regret it. What I did was wrong. Um, I hope you'll forgive me and I'll work to uh, better my position and recover the value of my good name. And you look at that person and you go, wow, that person is willing to be candid, is willing to be emotionally available, if you will, to use a common popular phrase. Just tell people, I made a mistake. It will feel embarrassing to do it, but one of your buddies is going to call you and say, wow, gutsiest move I ever saw. Nice. If you're willing to be that honest with me, I'm willing to bust my tail for you. Trust me, people are going to know if you then say, hey, look, guys, I'm in another career search. Just want to let you know. I hope you can help. Thanks so much. Exclamation point, exclamation point. And somebody calls you. And you don't, you don't indicate what the situation you're in. You don't indicate that there is some desperation, that you're worried about meeting your bills. Um, you're worried about how much trouble the family is going to go through, the, the stress and tension in your family in the next couple of months, the effect on its, your kids or your significant other, your spouse or your partner, what have you. And then they call you and say, wow, dude, I thought things were okay. Yeah. Well, what happened? Well, you know, sometimes it's just time. Oh, that doesn't sound like you, man. Well, what's going on? All right. Truth be told, I got fired or I got laid off. I promise you, you do that. The fact that you sent the earlier note where you're attempting to cover it up, that does not bode well with you and your friends. Okay? If you want to motivate your friends, be candid. Be honest. Admit your mistake take responsibility. I haven't been in touch. My family is having a crisis. I have been laid off. I regret it, but we don't have a cushion. Okay. Let's assume Wendy and I are friends, but we don't, we're not colleagues at the same company. Uh, we work at two different companies and we live near one another. Wendy gets laid off. Okay. I immediately assume, which, which surprises me and worries me. I immediately assume that Wendy even though I have not done this, Wendy has saved and she has a, a rainy day fund. Yeah. And the reason why, according to a psychologist friend of mine, is that I don't want to contemplate my own failings and I am insecure about my own career success. And so I assume, because I like Wendy and I like hanging around Wendy, that she has done the right thing. And I want to believe she's okay. 
because I don't want to wish bad things on my friends. So if you don't tell them that you're in crisis, they'll be surprised in a month when they when you say, look, I have to move because I'm going to get foreclosed on or, you know, I, I can't pay the rent or, you know, yeah, I'm having trouble. Sorry, we can't go on vacation. We don't we don't have any money or whatever. And and then the person's going to go like, "Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me?" I, I'll tell you something else, guys. It's it's not directly related, but my daughter Kate had cancer when she was 5, and I called my brothers first. I have three brothers before I called my folks, and they were all very supportive. But I remember one brother, my brother Hugh, I called him and said, "Hey, man, I got some bad news. Kate has cancer." And it's bad. She's in dire straits. Um, so we're going to have to take immediate action. And he says, ah, I'm sorry to hear, from, hear about that. I'll pray for you. Uh, and then he says, do you need money? And, you know, he's the only person that said that. And I'm not as close with Hugh as I am with my other two brothers, Walt and Adam. But I'll never forget that Hugh was the one that said, do you need money? Now, I didn't. I was okay. But it's a gutsy person to say, do you need money? Because it's sort of taboo. Just like it's sort of taboo to talk about, I got fired, I got terminated. It's one of the reasons why we, in our podcast, we tell people, tell people what happened. Be candid about it. Don't be afraid. Fear is your enemy. Fear is the little mind killer, as Frank Herbert said in Dune. Okay, so take action. Absolutely. And if you don't say something like, I'm having a crisis, your friends won't know that there's no motivation for them to do something urgently. Like you said, they might meet you in the street three weeks later and go, oh, I'm sorry I hadn't replied to your email. You know, have you found anything interesting? Which is a whole different conversation because they think it's not, you know, you weren't fired, you're just looking for something new. Whereas if they'd known that you'd been fired, they'd have done something that day. Yep. And you don't ask for a job either. Don't ask them if they know of a job because... That puts them on the spot, and most people don't, but most people will help you with contacts and suggestions. Okay, so we're going to do the whole list, email, within 24 hours. And then if you don't have email email addresses for people, contact them on Facebook, send them a tweet, whatever else you have. If you have phone numbers, start calling. But go as far as you can to contact every single person on your list, even if that means the guy in the local store, you walk down there and chat to him okay now we're not going to be afraid to look for jobs that are available right now exactly so being laid off and if you don't have a cushion and you didn't get much severance if you've been fired you wouldn't get any severance and you're concerned about how you're going to make this month or next month's mortgage payment you don't want to be thinking about the career move that you were thinking about next. Say you're an engineer two and you were thinking, I'm going to be an engineer one or an engineer three, whichever way it goes, um, for my next job. And I want to work in a startup and I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to use this technology. Forget it. Because finding those kind of opportunities takes time and you don't have any time because you've got to pay your mortgage or your rent or food or whatever. And... You can take anything and it doesn't matter on your resume. It doesn't matter if you're an engineer at Microsoft and the next job is a barista at Starbucks or a cashier at Walmart. Right. And then you do that for six months and then the next job is, you know, working at Oracle because you can explain it and you did what was necessary for your family and people who are hiring won't look at it twice so you know they, they might ask you about it well how come you went there and you can tell them so yeah 
Um, so what you're looking for is maybe you think that a minimum wage job is beneath you and probably it is, but minimum wage jobs start immediately and they usually pay at the end of the week. So it might not be a lot of money, but it's enough. And a lot of places, if you have loans or mortgages or medical bills that you're paying off, if you call them and say, hey, I, I got laid off, but I can give you $5 a week or $5 a month, they'll take it. And you can afford that from a minimum wage. Now, many people are saying, oh my God, minimum wage. Oh dear, that's a such a come down. And so they won't do it, which is in fact avoiding the fundamental problem of, I'm in a crisis here. I need to do something. You can be ruled by your ego and your shame or you can take action to solve your problem, okay? And again, courage is not the absence of fear. It's acting in spite of your fear. Uh, and let me just mention one more thing. We're trying to be as supportive as possible. We're being as open as we can. I've been fired. Wendy's been fired. I don't know that Mike would say he's... You know, I don't think Mike has been fired. No, he hasn't. So, no, we should do that for... Maybe we should fire him just so he has the experience. Oh, oh dear God, let's not joke about that. Danny Martin, who works for us, has been fired, right? Yeah. And every CEO I know of any import has gotten fired sometime before. But guys, come to our forums on the website, manager-tools.com forward slash forums, and ask a question and find out that there will be many, many people who will listen, who will read, who will make suggestions. Probably some people will privately message you and say, send me your resume. Who knows? You never know. And you're not going to help yourself by shame causing you to under-communicate. It's that simple. And it looks, Wendy, like we're sort of going long here. Suddenly we've had a two-parter, don't we? We do. Okay, so good. When we pick up next week, we'll talk about finances. That's it about part one, folks. Hopefully we talked to you about the shame and embarrassment and you're still willing to take action. Come back next week for more about finances and considering all your options. See you then.